Oh, God, bro. There are so many technical issues. Yeah, this will be a fun one to piece together, huh? Bro, not only did my Discord crash, my backup recording stopped. <laughs> oh, jeez. It's just... Oh, God. Oh, man. Welcome back to the Subtweets and Therapy Podcast, the podcast with no theme, only words. I'm Julian. And I'm Jared. In today's episode, we discuss the Atlanta shooting uh, and all of the peripheral things surrounding that, uh, as well as a few other um, topics of discussion. Make sure that you strap in. This is a good pod. Also, shout out to UNT. Got that dub against Purdue in the NCAA tournament. Yeah! Also, please excuse the technical difficulties. We might as well call this technical difficulties in therapy as, you know, stuff happened. We're recording the intro on my phone. (laughs) I mean, he literally just said technical difficulties. So, you know, clearly this one's a little scuffed. (laughs) Stu God's week. (laughs) (laughs) We should, at the very least, talk about everything that's happened um, this past week with, like, Atlanta and whatnot. Yeah, there's been a lot. There, it, Atlanta wasn't the only, I mean, it was the only shooting, but it wasn't the only attack on Asians this week. Because mm-hmm. um, obviously that's been a huge problem since the pandemic started, right? Right. Is that people here are being blamed for the failings of other countries or like the origin story of the pandemic. Right. And I think they said like um, 68% of the hate cases that were reported against Asians were of Asian women. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously we had the shooting last week in which I still have no idea how this hasn't been already charged as a hate crime. Mm. And I think it's very strange how police kind of just are taking his word right now as for motive. Yeah. About how it's not race related, even though, his reasoning behind the shooting to me screams hate crime mm. like from his own words yeah. you know what i mean yeah um this situation is is definitely um uh, one that that has sparked some interesting conversations um because i know that there are some people who are thinking along the lines of what the police are saying and just kind of like taking his word for it, which to my memory, not that I'm very well versed with stuff like this, but like to my memory, I, I don't really remember seeing uh, an example of police officers like just practically verbatim taking the word of the person who committed the crime without doing any other sort of like due diligence to see if that actually was, you know, the reasoning behind it. Um, you know, and again, I, I may be wrong about that, but like, it's just, it kind of strikes me as odd. Um, that they're handling the situation like this. Um, But I know that some people are saying that this particular incident is not a hate crime. Um, And what they're really basing it off of is the fact that like not every single person that was involved in the attack was an Asian individual. Um, And they're like pairing that with what um, the, the murderer said his, his intentions and his reasons were. Um, and then, of course, there's the whole, like, blaming his sex ad- addiction um, angle to all of this. So, like, right now, it just seems like people are, are not sure what exactly qualifies as a hate crime. 
in this type of situation. But clearly you don't agree. Yeah, I think, I don't know. So in the definition of what a hate crime is, um, race is in that, right? Mm -hmm. And here's my thinking behind it. One, you're in Atlanta, right? If mm -hmm. It's a sex addiction thing. Obviously, there's lots of different places that you can go that would trigger that, is what right. I would say. Right? right. So you had to seek out these massage parlors, which no one's even talked about if they're like those kind of massage parlors. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so basically, you were seeking out one that was predominantly Asian, and you were putting your... Um, beliefs as to what is sexual, like your objectification of people, mm -hmm. onto them, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so you decided you were going to purge these mostly Asian women because you viewed them as sexual objects mm -hmm. that were here to tempt you, right? Mm -hmm. And so because you targeted them because they were Asian, I would believe that that was a hate crime. Like, I feel like his reasoning behind it tells on himself yeah and i can definitely see where you're coming from um i don't disagree that you know this seems to be a, a hate crime um but for me i i wouldn't say that my perspective on it is different but like what i'm looking for in this moment and in moments similar to this uh is context um, because uh, obviously we can all have our, our own opinions over, you know, why he said what he said as far as his reasoning. Uh, and we can have our, our own opinions. Um, you know, we can read into, you know, who are the individuals that uh, were injured or, or killed in the attack. Like we can go around that circle all day. But what is the context of his actions? So if you take a, a look at his past social media posts, uh, and some of the the conversations that he was either engaged in or trying to engage in online, a uh, large majority of them were specifically focusing on spewing hatred towards China because of COVID, right? Like he blamed China for COVID as well as a bunch of, of other things uh, and essentially likened them to like the greatest threat to the free world, uh, that no one has really talked about. Like he he called them the greatest evil um, that America faces, basically. So mm -hmm. when you keep that in mind, and then you keep in mind the fact that we clearly are dealing with a situation which COVID is still an issue in this country. Um, we have documented cases of a spike um, in the amount of hate crimes, whether verbal assault or physical assault, uh, that is being directed specifically towards Asian individuals because of COVID-19. Um, and then you tie in the fact that the way that all of this went down with um, how quickly he was able to get the gun and then how almost at random his attacks seemed to feel, it was almost like a crime of passion type of situation, which like he was just trying to shoot whoever reminded him of why he was upset. You know, um, so when you consider all of that, in my mind, I think you don't really have any other choice other than to categorize this as a hate crime, regardless yeah. of what he said his intentions were and regardless of of who was involved in the attack. It's not as if he was trying to be precise. He was simply motivated to take out this aggression. And so he just took it out. 
you know? Yeah. And so, like, either argument here leads to the same road. Like, you cannot tell me that this isn't a hate crime. Like, you just can't tell me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then my other issue is the some elements that are around it, right? Obviously, that guy, scumbag, um, and should be dealt with accordingly. Obviously, a hate crime. Mm. But things like um, Chip Roy, that uh, Texas representative. Yeah. Who, during the anti-Asian hate hearing, decides to bring up the Communist Party of China and reference lynchings during the hearing mm. and is trying to blame cancel culture for why people are upset that he would do that mm. is ridiculous. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's in and of itself, it's hugely troubling and disturbing to have a representative say something along those lines. But it's obviously even more concerning because it's a continuation of a trend that we're seeing and that we're not liking from individuals who are in positions of power in this country in which they are feeling more and more comfortable uh, just saying incredibly irresponsible, um, inappropriate, uh, racially motivated things uh, about very controversial topics. You know, like gone are the days in which at the very least our leaders have a appeared or wanted to appear to be balanced or mature or, you know, calm or professional whenever discussing, you know, high tension type situations in this country. Uh, and they've just been replaced with people who are talking out of the side of their mouths and empowering the, the thought process of individuals who are not in positions of power to continue to think like that. Um, it's just, it's a continuation of, of the trend that, you know, we all associate with Trump and how he handled his politics. Um, and I just, I really, like, I get frustrated by it, but I don't really know what else to say about it other than like, it shouldn't be happening. You know, like we shouldn't be hearing you say things like that. And if you are saying things like that, if you do think things like that, then why are you in a position to make important decisions about how society runs, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. And that's Ron Johnson, too. Like this, Ron Johnson's comments don't have anything to do with the Asian hate that's been going on. But Ron Johnson's comments were also just soaked in idiocy and soaked in racism. And the thing that really bothers me is when they don't want to take culpability for their actions, mm. they cite cancel culture. Mm. They're, oh, we're being silenced. Oh, we're being canceled. Which, for the record, if I can hear you say that on TV... And if I can see you say that on social media, you have not been silenced. Mm. Right. So mm -hmm. let's stop that and mm -hmm. just realize that words have consequences. Mm -hmm. You don't just get to say what you want and run and hide as if it never happened. And continue to remain in an influential position. Right. And so the issue, too, with Chip Roy saying after he said it that he's being canceled because he believes in justice is he's also linking lynching with justice. Yes. Yes. Like, which on it, like, <laughs> like no one, no one asked him about lynching. No one was talking about lynching. No one mentioned it. He offered it up freely. Yeah. He said that he said 
here in Texas, I'm just paraphrasing off of like what I read. He's saying here in Texas, we believe in justice. You know what they say? Bring all the rope and find the highest tree. Jeez. No one asked him about that. He yeah. decided to bring that up. Yeah. So then when people react to what he says, he's like, oh, this is just people engaging in cancel culture. And obviously we've had this conversation on the pod before. Um, when it comes to cancel culture, things get convoluted pretty quickly. Um, and, you know, cancel culture in and of itself is not perfect, right? Like we, there, there are issues that need to be discussed and, and talked about when it comes to the idea of cancel culture. But right now it's way too easy for people who are saying inappropriate things, doing inappropriate things um, to scapegoat cancel culture. And instead of us continuing to talk about, you know, how you shouldn't be saying the things that you said, you shouldn't be doing the things that you're doing. Instead, now all of a sudden we're having a, a distracting conversation about, you know, is cancel culture happening? Is this good? Is it bad? Does it need to stop? Blah, 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 blah. And then they just, you know, shrink back into the shadows and, and keep going on with their day, you know? Yeah, that's what that's what tends to happen. That's been the playbook for the last four years. It's just like how um, you I think it was 12 to 14 people in the House of Representatives voted against rewarding the police officers um, that were at the Capitol riots with medals mm. because they didn't want to call what happened an insurrection. Right. And they wanted it only to say that the police officers passed away. Right. Which is hugely disrespectful to their memory, hugely disrespectful to the, their sacrifice and what they were trying to do. Hugely disrespectful. Um, and it's trying to give... It's trying to prop up what happened as something noble when it wasn't noble. Right. Right. And it, like, I, I don't think I will ever in my life ever fully get over the insurrection and everything that has happened regarding the insurrection since. Like it will always astound, amaze and flabbergast me that the, the very crowning jewel of, of the institution that people in this country are so proud of the the very seats of power in this country that are supposed to be so noble and so well protected and so important were violated by people who claim to be patriots and afterwards they're continued to be talked about by certain individuals as if what they did was noble or patriotic or good or not or at the very least not a bad thing not a very serious problem but if anybody else if anybody else had done that, we would have seen a massacre in the streets. Mm -hmm. We would have seen a massacre in the streets had it been Hispanic individuals, black individuals, Asian individuals. It, it would have been... They'd have been li lying in the street. Yeah. They'd yeah. be on propaganda posters talking about this is not right in the world. And the hypocrisy... And the issue is... Oh, sorry, go ahead. The issue is that, and this is the tie-in with what happened in Atlanta, it all has the same spark, mm. right? The rise of Trump, Charlottesville, the insurrection, the shooting, the rise in attacks on Asians comes from the same thing. And it's people not wanting change. Mm. 
It's people not accepting that things aren't going to be the same way that they wanted it to be. Exactly. It's white grievance. Mm. And specifically, it starts with wealthy white grievance. Like, mm-hmm. not just white people in general, but people who are in positions of power, realizing that their power is being scraped away from them, they freak out. And so they start to fan the flames uh, of... Um, What's the word I'm looking for here? For lack of a better term, loyalty, uh, in which they kind of like create this like fanatic brotherhood mentality based upon the the common ground of their race. They start there. They don't mention the, the the disparity between wealth or anything like that. They start there. Right. And then they align themselves politically with people who, you know, are feeling, you know, left out or 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 called out or, you know, uh, it's something along those lines, right? And then it just kind mm-hmm. of feeds directly into everything that is encapsulated by what the Trump years were, right? Um, it's just, I've said it before, you said it before, but when you are in a position of influence and power, um, equality starts to feel like oppression. You know, like yep. once things start to become equal, it, it, it feels like oppression to you. And so naturally you fight against it. Right. And we're still just kind of dealing with that phenomenon of people in power fighting against equality. Yeah. And they're going to keep saying that we're trying to take rights away, which we're not. Um, and that we're coming for their stuff when we're just trying to get what equal stuff, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And it's it's just ridiculous that we've gotten to a point where people feel like it's okay to just say bigoted things without consequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, okay, so this is something that I feel like we should definitely acknowledge and, and talk about when it comes to, to this topic. Um, because, obviously, I, I've been thinking about the why. You know, like, why is it? That, you know, these individuals that we're talking about, why is it that they are so dug in to the things that they're saying and the things that they're doing? Why are they so entrenched in their mentality? Why are they so fervent in their vitriol whenever it comes to these topics? Like, what is the reason? Um, And like, obviously, I don't really fully have an answer, but like right now where my mind is at, uh, at least in terms of trying to somewhat understand where they're coming from is they feel like everything that they do, everything that they say, even if it's not actually controversial, even if it's not actually a problem, they feel the weight uh, and and the pressure of the world's eyes on them, right? Um, For the past four years, oh, oh, I lost them. I lost them. Julian, where are you at? So Julian just disconnected there, right in the middle of my rant. Yeah, um, my bad. Internet spectrum, yeah. terrible. Yeah, we've been talking too much crap about him, bro. Now it's cancel culture. <laughs> they're, <laughs> trying to they're trying to silence me. <laughs> 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 um, so trying to get back to my point here. Basically, what I think is is a, at least a part of the equation as to why these individuals that we've been talking about are so 
entrenched in in you know what they're saying and doing and all that type of stuff is because for like four years and longer the general national discussion has been is how awful this particular group of individuals is let's use white men as the primary example right um whenever something bad happens eventually the conversation shifts to how awful how terrible how privileged blah 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 white individuals are and particularly white men right um and so for white men who are not doing all of these things not perpetrating all of these things not saying all of these things but they're hearing all these things about the group that they belong to eventually they're going to start taking it personally right um and because they know that they haven't done this stuff they're going to be very fervent in their defense of individuals who may or may not have done these things because they've emotionally connected what's happening with the national conversation and them themselves, right? We see it happen a lot of the times with guys in general whenever the topic of sexual harassment comes up um, because it's such a, a, a complex topic um, for a lot of people. Guys who know that they've never engaged in that type of activity eventually start to feel some type of way as they keep hearing messages over and over and over again about how awful guys are, right? About how terrible guys are and guys are dogs and blah, blah, blah. Like eventually you start to get a little hurt, you know, you start to get a little, a little defensive. And then it just kind of balloons into something larger when you find an echo chamber on the internet of a whole bunch of other people who are feeling some type of way about this particular thing. And there's nobody involved in the conversation that they're having to help keep them in check. So they end up creating these reasons as to why they're being singled out, out as to why it's unfair for them to be called out all the time, why it's not always a hate crime, why it's not always the guy that, that actually did it, why it's not, not always, it's not a, da, 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 da. um, and, by the time they fully enter into the national conversation, they're at full bore, right? They've been whipped up into a frenzy and they're just ready for some action. They're just ready to get after it, you know? And the internet is simply not a place that is conducive to healthy conversation. It, it, it's not easily had on the internet because everything is in fits and starts. Everything is short bursts. Everything is quick messages and the world is watching. And so your pride is on the line whenever you get into an argument with somebody, you know? So like, you'll never really be able to argue someone down from their position on the internet unless they are, you know, particularly mature or open-minded about the topic, you know? Um, so like, obviously that doesn't fully answer the question, but I think that's at least a part of the situation uh, and a part of what we all should be acknowledging. Because like we need to acknowledge why these individuals are doing these things and saying these things so that we can help stop the flow of it. If we're just continuing to rail against them, I feel like we're just eventually just kind of feeding into their fire, if that makes sense. No, I agree. I agree. I think that is I think that is an amazing point. And I think the other reason why is because if you look at history, how do things usually shake out, right? Mm. 
Um, after 9-11, what did we hear? Muslims are bad, Muslims are bad, Muslims are bad, Muslims are bad, right? Right. Um, the last time the border crisis happened, the, during the Great Recession, what did we hear? Mexicans are bad, Mexicans are bad, Mexicans are bad, Mexicans are bad, right? Right. There's always some group that is at fault that is not them. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. I think there is an overwhelming lack of self-observation happening. And mm. that, I mean, in all society in general, but specifically in that sector of society. Right. You know, it's a, there's just a grievance society happening where it's never me, it's never me. Right. It's always this person's fault. Right. And there are media outlets that feed into that. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And... You know, people call them out and they just, you know, they have their cloak ready. They have their cloak ready of, you know, we're being canceled. Right. Or we're being silenced. Right. They're ignorant. Hmm. Yeah, man. I, uh, obviously, it's, it's just a, it's a very complex topic uh, and a complex situation to try and break down because there's, there's so many people involved with it uh, and so many angles to it and, and all that type of stuff. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I know myself, I'm going to keep thinking about the why and keep trying to, you know, bore down to it as much as I possibly can. So at the very least, I feel like I can understand like why it's just so much all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but a part of it, like in all, in all honesty, a part of what is driving me in this is like, I've kind of, I've, I've experienced a, a different aspect to all of this that has started to change my um, my perspective on individuals that I would associate with the Trumpness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to give too much uh, detail uh, because it, it involves you know other individuals and it involves tragedy. Um, but at, at my school, you know, we recently have uh, experienced. A lot of hard things lately um and we've lost a few people um and one of those individuals i was close to um or starting to become close to um until politics got involved uh and obviously i was anti-trump they were pro-trump and even though we didn't like butt heads entirely it as soon as i heard and saw the trump stuff i immediately like allowed myself to pull away from them right Mm -hmm. i allowed myself to separate and start categorizing them in the same group of people that i i've been so angry with and so frustrated with and so at odds with for so long um and i regret it Straight up, I regret it. Yeah. Not not saying that I could have, you know, done something or that I would have known or anything like that. Like, I don't want to head down that thought path. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like I need to acknowledge the fact that, like, I didn't fully understand him. Um, and I didn't allow myself the opportunity to get to know him because of politics. Um, and that that is something that, you know, that's going to eat at me for a while. 
you know, not in a super negative sense, but it's something that, you know, I'm going to have to, to reconcile with. Um, so, you know, if I guess the reason that I'm saying all this is like, if you're listening to this and, you know, you find yourself realizing that you really get, you know, twisted up when it comes to Trump stuff, when it comes to whatever, however you want to describe it or categorize it. And you really can't see the other person across from you as a person anymore. And you just negatively categorize them. Um, just, you know, be, be cognizant and careful. Um, and, and try to not let the national conversation influence your thought process so much that you only see things in hashtags or in terminology or in you're on this side or you're on that side. You know, like at the end of the day, these are human issues. These are people things. Um, and even if you can never, ever, ever agree with them ever about particular topics, at the very least, I feel like if we can see each other as people, we can come to some sort of common ground understanding. Not easily, not instantaneously or anything like that. But I have to believe that that is something that we can achieve. I agree. And I think I think the thing that has happened is people don't think it's OK to disagree. Mm. Right. Obviously, there's some stuff where if we disagree on things like we're just not going to talk, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, but like it's OK to disagree. Like we don't always agree on things. True. But we just have human discussion about it and, you know, try to understand one another. And I feel like that is part of the essence that is being human. Mm. Right. Agree. I don't think Agree. that you grow and evolve if you don't try to see someone's viewpoint right you know and And i think i just well i was just gonna piggyback on that and just try to remember that like people are more than their politics Mm -hmm. you know like you like they 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 are more than their politics they may say oh yeah i'm a i'm a conservative or i'm a republican or or whatever but that doesn't mean that you know the whole of who they are just because you know that bit of information right right like, if someone just walked up to me and said, well, you know I'm a Republican, I'd probably react like Whoopi Goldberg in that <laughs> meme now where she's just like, okay. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that really tells me who you are as a human. It doesn't tell me your experiences as a human. And I think the dangerous thing that happens in today's society is we tend to paint things with a broad brush. Yeah. Um, similar to, and I don't know, this may turn into a whole tangent, but I've been thinking a lot about this whole, um, model minority trope. Mm. Um, and for those who don't know, I'll give you the definition. A model minority is a minority demographic, um, whether based on ethnicity, race, or religion, whose members are perceived to achieve a higher degree of socioeconomic success than the population's average right so like the minority's average Mm -hmm. and so i thought about this a lot with two incidences um obviously with this shooting that happened Mm -hmm. in atlanta but Mm -hmm. also with the whole myers leonard situation with the jewish community Mm -hmm. and you know people being like oh well you know they're rich so it doesn't it's not really you know that bad right 
And I know that, and this may be a touchy subject for some, but I know that in the African American community, in the black community, I mean, the black community and the Asian community, mm-hmm. that there has been tension, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word. Mm-hmm. And I was reading this article, and I'm going to call this part reading with subtweets and therapy. Because these two paragraphs I thought were not profound, but I think they were good. And it says, at the core of black Asian conflict stories is the idea that each group is willing to sacrifice the other in order to overcome white subjugation. But when black Asian conflict stories are told, the culpability of white supremacy often falls by the wayside. Asian prosperity narratives ignore the divide between rich and poor Asians, Asian immigrants and refugees, and Asians of different nationalities, ethnicities, and cultures. Asian diversity is erased to somehow disprove white supremacy's harm. And black oppression narratives do the same thing by painting black struggle as the result of a collective personal failings rather than an overarching societal one. Mm. In a perfect resistance movement, people of color would be united in the fight against white supremacy. But Mm. as black Asian conflict narratives show that sadly couldn't be further from the truth. And it's not as if black and Asian solidarity doesn't exist. It does. And it also has a notable history in the United States. But until black and Asian communities can take long, hard looks at their own anti-blackness, anti-Asianness, and their roots in white supremacy, black Asian solidarity will merely be a whisper in the chorus for racial justice in the U.S. And Asian-owned beauty supply stores will continue serving as a microcosm for a strained intercultural relationship. And I thought it was interesting because so many times we talk about, you know, how we're generalized and we're stereotyped that we don't often think about how in our own communities, we tend to do the same thing as well. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think that this year and this past year was a good study in showing that we, we may not be fighting the same exact fight, but we're looking for the same thing. You know, yes, yes, and that we do have each other's backs, yes, and you know, I just think that painting each other with broad brush strokes is not a good idea as we don't come from the same places, mm. we don't have the same experiences, we don't all have the same hue, mm-hmm. you know, and it's this whole discussion is something that uh, internally I've thought about for a while. Um, And a a lot of the times, you know, especially if we're talking about, you know, like the black culture uh, and community and the Asian culture and community needing to, you know, address some anti this, anti that within themselves. Right. Um, it's to me just another example of what that paragraph you're reading was talking about the the influence of a overarching societal influence uh, when it comes to racism and stereotypes um, because a lot of the tension between uh, black and Asian communities that we've seen throughout history um, comes from internalized stereotypes about the other right. Mm-hmm. And that message comes from people who are over top, not people who are within. Um, but we take those messages wherever they're coming from, we internalize them. And then the moment that we see one instance that looks like, sounds like, feels like those stereotypes, 
we automatically are like, yep, see, there it is. There it is. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, you know, that whole race is categorized as that, right? Um, it's unfortunate, uh, but thankfully, you know, it is not the only type of interaction we see between, you know, our our uh, two communities. Um, so I am hopeful that moving forward, we'll see the black community do everything that it can to support the Asian community. Um, because with Black Lives Matter uh, and all that type of stuff, I do have to admit, like I saw a large portion of individuals who were a part of the Asian community doing everything that they could to support, you know, the the BLM movement and support mm-hmm. change. Um, and, you know, it stretches beyond just us two, you know, the, the Hispanic community, the Native American community, um, you know, any oppressed people, really. Um the more that we bond together, the more that we work together, the more effective we will be. Um, and the more that we remember that, like, truthfully, at the end of the day, the big divide that we're trying to get over is the one of wealth and influence. Um, because those who are at the top of that pyramid, they set the message, they set the tone, um, and they set the, the, the paradigm if you're not careful, you know, if you're not cognizant and aware of what they're doing and what they're saying, your entire thought process and thinking may be influenced by them. Very true. Very true. Plus, let's be honest here. A lot of people I hear blame China for the pandemic mm. because it originated there. Must be real. Mm. The real people we should be mad at are the anti-maskers. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And with yep. it being the wild, wild west here again in Texas, uh, I saw that there are mask burning parties mm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was spring break in Miami because, you know, it's the it's the dirty south down there. Yeah. Um, I just think that we need to unite as a people and bring back the kicking in the back of the kneecap brigade. <laughs> yes, please. You know, the, stop the folding the of kneecap brigade please stop the asian hate you know and hate on people who don't wear masks (laughs) you're the real plague (laughs) seriously like if you want to be mad at somebody be mad at the people at the very top and at the people everywhere else who either didn't wear a mask or intentionally made sure that this country was not prepared to handle COVID. like let let's be upset with those individuals yeah, this could have, have been no done. Blame, this could have been over in a month. We could have been done with COVID in a month. And here we are. <laughs> and here about we are. to get the variants. We about to get the remix because mm. y'all fools don't want to do what it takes. Mm. Also, please stop listening to Rand Paul uh, as your like verified source of medical information on COVID nineteen. You know my thing the about that is the man is a failed eye doctor. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. He lost his license and then he fake recertified himself with a board comprised of family members. He does not know what he's talking about. Go get the Fauci ouchie <laughs> if you can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which speaking of which, I'm I'm about to uh I, I'm I'm in the process of of getting registered and whatnot. because uh, it's starting to become more available to teachers, which is great. Um 
Shout out to everyone who's gotten their vac so far. I've got, I have a few family members who've been able to do so. Um, so yeah, man, if you can get it, go get it. Don't wait, just go get it. Get that Fauci ouchie, dog. <laughs> Other than that, uh, I genuinely hope that you guys have a good rest of your day, week, weekend, whenever it is that you are listening to this podcast. Um, try to remember that we all people out here and we all just try to survive. You know what I'm saying? Um, never forget that I am therapy. He subtweets. I did it backwards to throw you off. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Shout we'll, out to Jaden for the outro music. Oh yeah. 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 What's his, uh, what, what, what are his handles? Bro, I have no idea. Hold on. <laughs> Bro, that's your brother. How do you not know his handles? Bro, I barely have mine memorized sometimes. <laughs> uh, at JJ Star X on Twitter. And actually, no, that's just his name. At Jaden Starks, J E I G H D O N. I'll put it in the show notes, bro. There See, you the go. thing is, like, he doesn't use his first, like, his actual name, but his actual name is his handle. So I'll uh, put it in the show notes. Don't blame you. me. Well,. Uh, shout out to, to Jaden for the music. I hope you all enjoy it. Also, Bruno and Anderson, please give us the album. I'm yes. tired of waiting. Give us the album. I need it. I'll leave the door open for that CD. <laughs> <laughs> all right, later, guys. Bye.